Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Friday, July the 1st. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. I thought on this episode, I would give you some very specific examples of two things. One, why not thinking for yourself can be misleading and even dangerous in terms of having you believe false information, but also why listening to famous people and taking what they say or they believe as your own thoughts or your own beliefs is similarly dangerous. So I want to start with Katanji Brown-Jackson, who, as you know, was sworn in this past week as a new Supreme Court justice to replace Stephen Breyer. Now, you could not say anything about this woman during the confirmation process that was any way challenging of what she believes in or what her judicial philosophy is. The moment you questioned anything about her, you were racist. Similarly, you couldn't say anything about Barack Obama during his presidency, because if you did, you were racist. So here's my question. Why aren't all the attacks on Clarence Thomas, Supreme Court Justice Thomas, racist? I mean, he's black. (laughs) And over the past couple of, what is it? I guess it's just about a week since the Dobbs decision came down. He has been excoriated in the news, in the press, on the internet. Why isn't that racist? And let me follow up with Katanji Brown-Jackson. When she was in front of the Senate Confirmation Committee, before she was confirmed by the committee, she was asked about natural law, and she took no position, she said, on natural law. Well, she took no position while she was on television, and it was being broadcast to the American people to watch if they so choose. But subsequently, she also answered written questions, because that is the process that happens during the confirmation hearing. Some of the questions are in public, and then others are follow-up or questions that give the prospective nominee other opportunities to elaborate on what they said or didn't say. And in her written response to natural law, she said that she's not a proponent of natural law. Now, let's talk about natural law for a minute. If you don't know who John Locke was, he was an English philosopher and a political theorist. He lived between like 1630 and 1710 or something right in that period. And he laid much of the groundwork for the Enlightenment. What he wrote in particular was that all of us, all individuals are equal in the sense that we're all born with certain inalienable natural rights. And by natural rights, what he meant was rights that are God-given and can never be taken away or even given away. And among those fundamental natural rights were life, liberty, and estate. 
That was, that was John Locke, life, liberty, and estate. So you know this language from the United States Constitution. You know it from the Declaration of Independence. In fact, his political theory of government, which was by consent of the governed, as a means of protecting those three natural rights of life, liberty, and estate, deeply influenced the United States founding documents and the founding fathers. What we know it as is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The reason that we don't know it as life, liberty, and estate, or property as it was at the time, is because the framers were concerned that if it said life, liberty, and property, that the South, which wanted to keep slavery alive and which saw slaves as property, not people, that they would use that to legitimize and to continue slavery. So the founders changed it to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Now, number one, you have to wonder how pro-slavery they were, that they went to such lengths to change that word so as not to establish slavery within the Constitution. But along those lines, a little more history, if I may, before the colonists declared their independence from King George and before the revolution, the 13 original colonies wrote to the king. They wrote King George and they gave him a list of grievances, in essence, that they had. And those lists of grievances were pretty much one or two lines for each grievance. But the last grievance was a paragraph or more. And what it was, was complaining to the king about England's habit of having brought slaves to the free world. Think about that. England was bringing slaves to the free world. It began with England, not with the colonists. The problem came in, in that on that list of grievances, only 11 of the original 13 colonies would agree to sign that and send it to King George. And the two that wouldn't were Georgia and South Carolina. And the reason was they didn't want to complain about slavery, about the importation of slaves. The other colonists were concerned if they didn't present a united front to King George, that the king would understand that they weren't united and he wouldn't take their grievances as seriously. In addition, those other 11 colonists or inhabitants of those other 11 colonies were concerned that if they only sent it with 11, then King George would realize that two were in dissent and he would use those two to prevent the colonists from uniting as a whole. And so they removed that particular grievance from what they sent King George. However, it's clear that the original colonists, but for South Carolina and Georgia, were not happy with this importation of slaves that the British had actually begun. Now, there's often a lot of talk about the three-fifths clause in the Constitution and about how slaves were not considered full people. They were only considered three-fifths of a person. And the reason that happened was, again, in support of abolishing slavery, because there was a tremendous population of slaves in the South, which overpopulated compared to the North. 
And the North believed that if slaves were counted for vote and taxation purposes as a full vote, a full person, the South would be able to outvote the North. The Confederacy would be able to outvote the Union on slavery. So the three-fifths clause for taxation and for population was specifically written with an idea toward minimizing the power of the South to maintain slavery going forward. Now, this past week, Whoopi Goldberg, great intellect that she is, on The View, was railing against the Dobbs decision and about the door that it was opening to taking our other rights away. Well, number one, there's no right to abortion in the Constitution. That's number one. But number two, by the way, which is what the Dobbs decision said and why it sent it back to the states for each state to decide on their own. I've talked about this in other podcasts, but let me get back to what Whoopi Goldberg said in her rant against both Clarence Thomas and the decision in general. She was saying that eventually it's going to lead to black people being counted as one fourth again, one fourth of a person. Well, number one, it was a three-fifths clause, not the one-fourth clause. And number two, I just explained why it was even drafted the way it was and for what purpose. Let me move on to AOC, another intellectual giant of our time. This week, she said we should impeach four of the justices on the Supreme Court. And of course, the four she wants to impeach are Amy Coney Barrett, Neil Gorsuch, Clarence Thomas, and Brett Kavanaugh. Why? Because they're the four conservative justices. And she also said perhaps we should abolish the Supreme Court. So these are great thinkers of our time. And the reason that she feels that way is because she didn't get the decision she wanted. So what I'm seeing from a lot of people around the country, both the famous and the not so famous, is that They kind of throw a childlike tantrum when they can't get the outcome they want. Today, the president of the United States said that he and his administration were looking for go-arounds, go-arounds of the Supreme Court decision. So now we no longer need to listen to the Supreme Court, which rules on the law of the land. Now we need to just, when we don't like their decisions, figure out other ways around them, legal, meaning constitutional, or unconstitutional. It doesn't really matter. Another brilliant statement by another brilliant thinker of our time, Joe Biden. And then in the last day or two, Dr. Burks, if you remember Deborah Burks, she was the doctor who, along with Dr. Fauci, we saw on television every day during COVID, standing with Donald Trump, talking about what the CDC and the NIH, what they were doing and what they were concluding and what they were mandating for the country to do to deal with COVID. Well, when Dr. Burks was testifying this week before a, um, a Senate subcommittee, and actually I think she was in front of Jim Jordan, her response about whether or not the federal government believed that the vaccines would prevent the spread of COVID Her response was, well, we were hoping the vaccines would prevent infection. We were hoping. So that's that's news, right? And and I'm glad that our scientists were hoping. 
and weren't sure when they were trying to mandate everyone to take them and actually went so far as going to court and even the Supreme Court over OSHA and its efforts to get employees vaccinated. They were hoping it would work. Now, moving right along with President Biden and the Biden administration, let's think for ourselves and process some of this. Number one, the failure to protect women in women's sports. We've seen this across the board, right? The whole gender identity agenda is sort of a scourge on sexuality. No longer are women women, they are birthing persons. But I'm confused because they also can't define a woman. Even Katanji Brown-Jackson during her confirmation hearing when asked to define a woman said she couldn't because she wasn't, quote, a biologist, end quote. So if you can't define a woman, and women aren't women, they're birthing persons, and there's been a failure to protect women in women's sports, and gender identity and the whole agenda of gender identity is an attack on actual science of male or female in terms of sexuality, then explain this to me because I'm thinking for myself and I want you to do the same. How come there's so much uproar over women's rights having been attacked and taken away by the Dobbs decision? How can women's rights be taken away or attacked If we can't define what a woman is, we don't protect them in sports, we don't have them giving birth anymore, they're now birthing persons, and you can't define a woman, as Katanji Brown-Jackson, our latest Supreme Court justice, has made very clear. I can't follow the logic. For me, it's a complete puzzle. And so there's a lot of danger, and I caution you about not thinking for yourself. I caution you about letting these people who are famous, whose names you know, or these anchors that you watch all the time, who give you these thoughts and these bits of news and these biased conclusions that are drawn for a whole bunch of reasons. Sometimes it's political agenda. Sometimes it's bending of the knee to the corporations that own these media conglomerates. Whatever it is, You need to not listen to these people because if you think some of this stuff through, just for example, the few issues I just addressed in tonight's podcast, if you think them through, you realize they don't make any sense. There's no consistency. There's no logic. There's no reason. There's just, I feel this way and you better feel this way. And if you don't feel this way, I'm going to cancel you, or I'm going to ostracize you, or I'm going to ban you, or I'm going to deplatform you, or I'm going to worse, hate you. This is what it's come to. It's come to the natural end result of people not thinking for themselves. That's how you get these groups of people. I watched young women with red paint splayed across their bodies, screaming at the top of their lungs like raving maniacs in front of the Supreme Court. Number one, I don't even know if they know what they were screaming about. 
other than they believed that their right to decide what to do with their body had been taken away from them, which number one, wasn't true to begin with. I don't know how many times somebody has to say that that was not what the Dobbs decision did. Again, for probably the eighth or ninth time on my podcasts, all the decisions said was that the federal government had no constitutional right to regulate abortion, the Supreme Court had no authority to rule on it under the Constitution, and that when it decided the Roe v. Wade, and when it decided Casey in, what, 1990-something, I think, I think Roe was in the 70s and Casey was in the 90s, when it made those two decisions it had overreached its own authority. And so all the court did in Dobbs was put the authority and the constitutionality of things back where they belonged because powers not specifically given to the federal government in the constitution under the 10th amendment revert to the states where they belong. Women in New York can still get an abortion after Dobbs. They can get it today. They'll be able to get it a month from now. Women in California will be able to. And women in states that now prohibit it because the state has decided that that's the state's position will be able to get on a bus or a plane financed by Amazon or Dick's Sporting Goods or whoever else has raised their hand and said, we'll pay your airfare and we'll give you childcare for your kid that you've already given birth to while you get on a plane and stay in a hotel to abort the child you're now giving birth to. And by the way, along that line, because let's continue to think for ourselves, Democrats do not believe in any limit on abortion. If you listen to what was voted on in the House of Representatives last month by the Democrats, 100% of them, I believe, voted for abortion through delivery. Abortion through delivery. One could argue that's infanticide, which is a sickening and scary thought in and of itself. Again, you have to think for yourself. We've all been given brains We've all been given free will. We've all been given at this blessed time in this blessed nation, among all nations throughout human history, the most freedom, most personal freedom, thanks to people when thinkers like John Locke and others and our founders, the fact that we've been given all of the tools that we need to think for ourselves, speak for ourselves, and act for ourselves cannot be taken away. And even though John Locke said natural laws cannot even be given away, I don't think that's true. I think we can give away our freedom. I think we can give away our ability to think for ourselves. I think we can give away our right to live as free individuals to pursue our own life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. I think we can give it away by abdicating responsibility for what it means to pick those batons up and run with them. And we have done so in so many ways. And again, I worry. I worry that we're perhaps on the other side of the bridge and someone has cut the ropes and there's no bridge back. I don't know. Only time will tell. But I caution all of you to not listen to famous people, to not listen to people who are on the nightly news night after night because they all have agendas and they are all just individuals like you 
who are thinking for themselves, but because they have a bigger megaphone and a microphone that you may not have, we hear more from them, we hear more about them, and we are thereby influenced by them. Unplug from those people. Plug into your own intuition, your own intellect, and your own ability to think for yourself. I know that's usually my closing rah-rah, but it came early on this podcast. I hope that this 4th of July, which will be this weekend and Monday's celebration, is for you a reconnection to all that is good and beautiful, not only about the United States, but about being blessed to live here at this time, in this place, with these liberties, and the ability to hold on to them before it's too late. Enjoy your 4th of July. Be proud of being an American. Be proud of who we are. Be proud of what's still possible. And be a voice for all of that with everyone you encounter over not only the next few days, but over the rest of your life. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again on probably Monday. Until then, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.